All right, my name is Doug. I'm uh, the lead pastor of Parkview Church, and it's a great privilege to be with you guys. Uh, as you were coming in, you should have gotten one of these little half-sheet guys. If you did not, just slip a hand up, and somebody will get one to you, okay? So if you didn't get one of these, it would really help you. Matt's got some for you right there. All right, first of all, I just want to commend uh, the humility in this room, you guys. Okay, so there's three groups of people here. There are some people here this morning that have been part of Heartland Church for many years, did a membership class this morning. I think everybody in there has been part of this church for 10 years. And now you're sitting, coming early on a Sunday to go through a membership class to become a member of Parkview. That shows a lot of humility. We saw some leaders up, up here that have, been, that have been leaders at this church called Heartland Church who are signing letters of resignation. Uh, there's no power play in this room this morning. There's a lot of humility from Heartland folks. That's awesome. And I'm looking around. I'm seeing a lot of people that I know from the years of worshiping with you at Parkview Central Campus. And so there's a lot of humility on your part to be willing to let go of routine and maybe convenience in some ways and come out and start something new. That's awesome, too. And there might be some of you in the middle going, what in the world are you talking about? Like, what's Heartland? What's Parkview? I just want to know Jesus. Like, that's awesome, too. So whatever camp you fit in this morning, just a lot of humility in this room. And that's going to be the key. The Bible says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So the key is to keep walking in humility and watch what God's going to do uh, through you guys. So we are in a three-week series that we're doing on each of the three campuses at Parkview called the DNA of Parkview. And what is our plan? What is our plan uh, as a church to do ministry? Um, It's really easy. I think Jesus laid out some really big uh, a big vision for the church and what the church could do. He said that the church uh, will be so strong that the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. And when Jesus came, he spoke very clearly with a plan for what a church should do. And I think it's really important for us to do that, especially at the outset of this relationship as two churches coming together. But it's also important. Our East Campus is teaching the same thing this morning. Central Campus, same thing. Like, what is our plan? What's uniting us in our desire to do church the way Jesus is calling us to do church? And it's really important because sometimes even something as good as church, you can just go through the motions and forget about why you're doing it, okay? So maybe an analogy for me was I used to coach some baseball in the Trojan program, and there was a year where our team got hot at the end of the season and we stepped into the state tournament and won five straight games. Like some of them were come from behind. No way we should have won that. We just did. Now we play again. So we're in the state championship game, losing 12 to 5, score seven runs in the bottom of the fifth. It's now tied up, going to the last inning. I mean, we're all fired up. At least the coaches are fired up. We're sending everybody out. And I turn around and my left fielder is sitting on the bench, just sitting there. It's like, hey, dude, Max, like, look, like state championship game. It's like, when is this going to be over? <laughs> so it's a lot of perspective. Maybe sometimes I wonder, is this more for the dads and coaches or is this more for the kids? But, but it's like, hey, dude, listen, we've been practicing baseball since January. It's now June. Like if you go out and get three outs and one more run, you're state championship. Let's go. But even like in the hype of that, we can just lose sight. Like, okay, why am I going to church? What's going on with church? So that's why it's so important just to look and see what is our mission? What is our plan? And so the mission we're rallying around is this statement that we are pursuing Jesus together in everyday life. We just want to follow Jesus well. We want to do this together and we want to do it in a way that influences our lives on a day-to-day basis. And so our plan 
uh, you heard Josh start this series, if you were with us last week, is that we are to gather to worship, we are to grow in Christ-likeness, and then we're to go on mission. That those are the three key components of a church. We gather to worship, we grow in Christ-likeness, and then we go on mission. And you see this in Jesus' plan, that when he started his ministry and invited disciples to himself, you see it in Mark three thirteen to 15, where it says that Jesus went up in the mountain and he called those to him, those that he desired, and they came to him, and he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. So there you see the three things. He called them to himself, he wanted them with him, and then he was going to send them out. So that's where we get our gather to worship, uh, grow in Christ-likeness, and then go on mission. And so I would say in general, most sermons you probably have heard since Josh has been here and that you will hear at Parkview usually will take one passage and just kind of pound through that passage. And that style of teaching is very wise and it's, it's a good way to teach. What we're going to do this morning with this topic that's a little broad, like just how do you grow? How do you grow as a Christian? Consider this sermon almost like a drone flying over key parts of the New Testament about how we grow, especially centering on how Jesus did ministry with his disciples, but then also just flying to key parts of the New Testament. So that's why having an outline is going to be important, just so you can follow where this is going, all right? And so, and so as we do this, I want you to just think of this statement, that, that Jesus loves you as you are right now. Like he would accept any one of you. If some of you guys are brand new today, some of you are thinking, what in the world am I doing in a church? Like if these people knew who I was, they would never want me here. Like so whoever, wherever you are in that continuum, or uh, if you've been here for 30 years, for 10 years, for whatever years in a church and growing, just here's, here's a statement that, that God loves you this morning where you are. But he loves you too much to let you stay there. Like he has a plan for you to continue to grow. And so the first, kind of the three parts we're going to talk about this morning is how do you grow? How do we change uh, as people in our hearts and in our lives? So I would see three steps as you look at a Jesus ministry. And the first one is you follow Jesus, you believe in the gospel, and then you walk by the Holy Spirit. All right? So that's kind of our three-part outline. The first one is follow Jesus. If you were to say, God, what's your plan for me? God, where's this all leading? Like, what are you going to do with me? God's plan for us, he's, he just makes it fully clear in the scripture. His plan for you, his plan for me, is to make us more and more like Jesus. We are to grow in, Christ, in Christ's likeness. So if you're wondering this morning, what does it mean to grow? What does it mean to be mature uh, as, as a follower of God? As a, what does it mean to be spiritually mature? So our common target is Jesus Christ. And you look at Romans 8, and a lot of you may have heard this first part of the verse, and then we know that, those, uh, for, that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. That's a great verse. A lot of people have heard that. But if you continue, he'll just find what his purpose is. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Okay, so God, where's this all leading? This is leading towards me making you more and more like Jesus. And so, um, so we're to grow in Christ-likeness. When Jesus first started calling disciples, his invitation to them was, follow me. Like, just come be with me. And what I love doing is doing character studies of the different disciples, that when they took Jesus up on that invitation and started following him, their lives changed. Just being around Jesus, they changed. And there's so many stories and incidents we can look at. But let me just give you, let me give you two. 
One is, um, as you get to know these disciples, what's so cool about the Bible is it tells us what they're really like. Like, so one thing they had a hard time with was being compassionate. They used to fight with each other all the time and jockey for who's better than the other. Uh, again, we said humility is the way to see growth. But these guys were just constantly battling each other. The other thing they didn't like is they didn't like little kids. They wouldn't like being at Heartland or Parkview North on a Sunday morning. Like, they were always like, get the little kids away from Jesus. Like, there wasn't a lot of compassion in these guys' hearts. And I think about the time where they're with Jesus, and as they're traveling along, a man with leprosy just cries out to Jesus and says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I can imagine every thought in those guys' minds, like, God, Jesus, get away from that guy. That guy's contagious. He's a leper. Nobody goes around lepers in our society. And Jesus went up to that man and not only engaged him in conversation, but Jesus reached out and he touched him. That was probably the first time since that man had leprosy that he was touched with a compassionate touch like that. Jesus said, I am willing, be clean, and he healed him. But it wasn't more, you know, like that could have been a three-point line kind of healing or like turn your nose and, yeah, just be healed and get out of my sight. You know, it was more of just really engaging with that man. And so the guys learned compassion, not just how Jesus treated them, but how he treated the people around them. I also think about a common battle in those guys' lives was fear. Like they were constantly afraid. And I think of the time where it seemed like whenever Jesus invited them on a boat ride, look out. Like there's going to be a storm. And these guys knew the sea. They fished all the time. Um, but there would be some kind of horrific storm that would just exceed even their worst experiences. And so one of those times, these guys are freaking out. And the waves are coming over. And Jesus is asleep in the boat, right? And so these guys are bailing water. They're freaking out. Their pants are wet for more than reason, one reason. And so they're freaking out. And they say, Jesus, don't you care that we're drowning? And he stands up and he rebukes the wind. And instantly the storm stops. And these guys go, who is this man? Like Jesus taught them like what to do with their fears is that you can trust in him. And this wasn't a lesson. I can't say we do any better. But you see them even after two years of being with Jesus, they still battled fear. And so the night that Jesus was arrested... These guys freaked out. They ran away. And Peter, his tightest disciple, even denied that he knew Jesus three times, a couple times to a junior high girl. He couldn't even like stand up for Jesus there. And so you see him just caked and bathed in fear throughout their lives. But yet, 50 days after the arrest of Jesus in Acts chapter 4, you see Peter and John on trial before the same group that sentenced Jesus to death. It was called the Sanhedrin. And it's boldly in front of these guys. They said, you know what? There's salvation in no other name under heaven given among men. You guys crucified the Savior of the world. Like just boom, right to their face. And Acts 4.13 is one of my favorite verses. It says that the Sanhedrin looked and they saw Peter and John. They saw they were just average, ordinary, uneducated men. Way, way to pile up the credentials. Thank you. You know, so all these things. But they were stunned at their courage. And they realized that those men had been with Jesus. Being around Jesus, following Jesus, that's the path to see growth in our lives. So step one is like, okay, I want to, Lord, I want to change. I want to grow. The first step is, is to follow Jesus Christ. That's the goal. We're to become more and more like Christ. And so as we start following Christ, then I think his first words to us would be, well, then believe in the gospel. Like, it's great. I want you to follow me, but believe in the gospel. In fact, if you look in the gospel of Mark, the first words that Jesus speaks are that the kingdom of God is at hand. 
repent and believe the gospel. Like that's, that's his call. Isn't, you know, it's great to follow him. It's great to study his teaching. But bottom line, where he continually points us is to the gospel. And so just to make sure we're on the same page, well, what's the gospel? And the gospel can mean different things. And so some of you guys know the gospel. And he's like, okay, I'll just check out for the next couple minutes. Let me, let me just share uh, a way that I like to explain the gospel. Maybe if you already know the gospel, maybe this is a way you could share it sometime. Maybe tomorrow it works. Somebody goes, you know what? What's a Christian? Like, what do you believe anyway? And so if you have like a two or three minute answer, um, let, me, let me give you an example of, of a good way to summarize what the gospel is. And so consider it the bad news and the good news. Okay, the gospel starts with some bad news, but it ends with some good news. All right, the gospel means good news, right? So the bad news, according to the scripture, is that every one of us has sinned. We have all offended a holy God. And so um, an analogy you could use for this is like we could all go out in the parking lot this morning. We could all pick up a rock and say, hey, let's try to hit the Mississippi River this morning, okay? And so we're all winding it up, and Matt would probably throw it pretty far, and Zach probably in the back pretty far. Devin used to play quarterback at West High. He'd throw it pretty far and all that stuff. Mine would go about 20 feet and pop right there, right? So, so some of you guys that throw it a long way could really just, oh, I'm way better than you guys. But the point is we've fallen far short of the goal. The goal was the Mississippi River, and it's just like, just as people, we have fallen far short of the standard, which is the holiness of God. There's no one in this room that is righteous, the Bible says, when our standard is God. Sometimes we can look at each other and go, well, at least I'm not as bad as Schillinger. I'm not as bad as, you know, the Schroeders or whatever it is. But you don't, our comparison isn't this way. The comparison is with a holy God. And so we've all sinned and the wages of sin is death. We are cut off from the life of God. That's the bad news But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus died for sinners. Jesus didn't die for good people. He didn't die for church people. He didn't die for people to clean up their act. He died while we were sinners. He died. He loved us that much that even in the midst of our sin, Jesus gave his life for us. So the good news is Jesus died for sinners. That's all of us. We all qualify. And the other part of the good news is that we can be saved by faith. You put your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross, and that saves you. Just, just that act of trusting Jesus to be your savior, to forgive your sins, gives you uh, the gift of eternal life, okay? So if I were to ask you this morning, so are you a Christian? Yes or no? Or, or sometimes people put it this way, if you were to die, would you know that you're going to heaven? Like, what are the odds that you'd go to heaven? Um, I used to do a lot of just street evangelism when I was in seminary in Dallas. I used to get answers like, well, it's a Wednesday, so I'm about 80% now, but if you would have asked me last weekend, it would have been about 20, right? So like bad on weekends, good during the week. And so, but really there's only two answers to that biblically. The answer is either 0% or 100%. It's either I am a Christian or I am not. And what makes the difference is, have you trusted in Jesus or not? Have you believed in the gospel or not? It's not like, well, I kind of believe in Jesus, but I'm working as hard as I can. Like you don't add to what Jesus did to be saved. Receiving the gospel, believing the gospel means Jesus is my only hope. He forgives my sins. He gives me eternal life. My faith is in him, not in me to save me. My faith is in Jesus Christ. So that's a great thing to clarify if that's kind of new turf. Talk to some of the leaders here. I'd love to talk to you afterwards, but, but if you were to say to Jesus, I really want to grow, he's going to say, I want you to believe in the gospel then. That's where it starts. 
Believe the gospel. And so here's another chart for you. Maybe you've seen this before. Maybe you haven't. But once you receive the gospel, the Bible talks about us being saved from sin kind of in three dimensions. Okay, one is we are saved from the penalty of sin. Like as soon as you receive Jesus, when God looks at you, he doesn't judge you anymore for your sin, but your sin is forgiven. Jesus died and took away your sin. So there's no more penalty of sin. You can become a child of God. So it's like your sins are forgiven. Um, You have been saved. It's kind of like a past tense that just kind of carries on for the rest of your life. You are saved from the penalty of sin. In the second term, there's at least twice in the New Testament where it'll talk about that we are being saved by the gospel. And you go, wait a minute, I thought we were saved. But so there's an aspect too where the gospel helps you defeat the power of sin, that you don't have to sin anymore. Like there's a power you have now to follow Jesus and to see your sin patterns or habits begin to change. That's a beautiful thing. The Bible, the theological term is sanctification. That means you are becoming more and more like Christ. And that's what we're talking about today. Like how do you grow? And it's the power of the gospel that helps you defeat the power of sin. And then the Bible talks about you being set free from the presence of sin. Like there will be a day when the true followers of Jesus will spend eternity with him in heaven, where there is no more sin, there's no more tears, there's no more death, there's no more lying or cheating or greed, like just all sin is removed. So we're removed from the presence of sin because we're in the presence of a holy God. And so it's a beautiful gift that Jesus is offering us through the gospel. And so if we're to grow in Christ's likeness, we follow Jesus and then he's going to point us to the gospel so that we, we receive the gospel and are forgiven of sins, have power over sin, and look forward to that day where we're free from the presence of sin. All right? So now, the last, the last of our three points here that I want to go through is this concept of walking by the Spirit. Okay? I think we're talking about the Holy Spirit now for a few minutes. Like, for us to grow to become like Christ, we have been given an amazing gift that I would say, even the person in this room this morning that is understanding and utilizing the Holy Spirit to the most is still scratching the surface. Like we have no idea of the power available to us through the Holy Spirit. And that's how I want to spend the last few minutes talking about growing, is to talk about the Holy Spirit. Okay, so let me just ask and answer a couple of questions. Who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, some, there's a famous author called, named Francis Chan that says that the Holy Spirit is the forgotten God. Like in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, People understand maybe God the Father, they love Jesus, and they see him in the Gospels, but who's the Holy Spirit? Like, Is he like the force in Star Wars, or do you call him it or he? Or There's so much confusion about who the Holy Spirit is. Let me just be really clear. The Holy Spirit is fully God. And so the invitation is, is that um, God, the moment you become a Christian, the moment you receive uh, the Gospel, is that God fills you, God claims you, God seals you with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live within you. So this is God himself through his Spirit living inside of anybody who has believed in the gospel. And so to walk by the Spirit means to depend on the Holy Spirit. It means uh, if you say a prayer like, God, I want to become more like Jesus. God says, I want that too. And I want that so badly. I have given my spirit and he is living in you. And as you continue in that posture, I want to grow. I want to change. That's your dependence on, on God to grow you. The Holy Spirit is the one that then kicks into your life 
and helps you become more and more like Jesus. Some people say that the Holy Spirit's role is like a spotlight, okay, that's shining its light, like um, if you've ever been to Mount Rushmore at night, you know, and they have those spotlights that show up on the, you know, the president's etched in the rock. Like, people don't go there and it's going like, dude, look at that spotlight. Like, that's amazing. Like, the reason that people go is to look at, look at the presidents on the rock. And so it's kind of like the Holy Spirit. He's not intended for us to go, dude, look at the Holy Spirit that we have. Like, his role is to point us to Jesus and to really show us who Jesus is. And so when we follow Jesus, we want to become like Jesus. The Holy Spirit goes, I am right with you. Like, that's what I'm here to do. Let's go. Like, let's become more and more like that guy. Let's become more and more like Jesus. And so I like to really focus on um, the things that Jesus taught us about the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 16, he was, this was uh, in a meal with his disciples right before Jesus got arrested and then um, went through, you know, 40 days and then ascended into heaven. So this meeting was like crucial. And there are so many times in this meeting that Jesus taught his followers about the Holy Spirit. And so this is one thing he said. He said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another spirit to be with you forever. So these guys are already hearing words that Jesus is leaving and they're starting to get a little afraid. Jesus, where are you going? And this is a promise he gives them. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. So um, if you study the Greek language, the word that Jesus used there for another, he could have used a couple of words. One of the words um, for another would have meant another that's completely different. But the one he chose to use means it's another of the exact same kind. So when he says, this is a helper, it's another helper just like me. And so there's, there's several verses you look to in the New Testament that show us that the Holy Spirit is fully God. And this is one of them. Jesus said, just like I'm the Son of God, fully God, fully man, when I leave, the Father is going to send you a spirit who's another helper just like me, and he's going to live in you. This one blows me away too. In John 16, 7, Jesus, it's the same context. It's the same conversation with them. He says this to him. He says, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Like, just pause and think about that for a second. Jesus said, you know what? You guys have had me with you for two, three years here. And I, I mean, honestly, I would think if Jesus gave me the choice this morning, Doug, do you want me to follow you around this week? Uh, or would you like the Holy Spirit to indwell you? I mean, I just think, I think I'd have to vote for Jesus coming with me. Like, can you imagine just hanging around your neighborhood? Hey, guys, remember the guy I've been telling you about Jesus? He's right here. Like, so why don't you walk across the pond in our backyard? Like, why don't you just kind of heal? That kid's got to scrape me, just heal. Like, I just think, like, my personal witness in my neighborhood kind of go off the charts. If I could just, you know, me and Jesus kind of hanging around, right? When you think that, too, but Jesus is saying here, it's better for you guys to have the Spirit in you than to have me with you. You know, there's a time in this same conversation where Jesus told his followers, you're going to do greater things than the things you've seen me do. And again, you just think about all the things that Jesus did. You think, how could that be? But just imagine now Jesus' plan of filling every one of his followers all around the world with the Spirit of God, who is there to point us to Jesus and give us the power to live more and more like Jesus. In fact, one of the roles that the Holy Spirit does as a spotlight is that he'll remind us of the things that Jesus taught, a constant reminder to us. And so in a sense, having Jesus physically with us was kind of limiting because he could only be with a certain number of people. But just think now, just if we could put on 
spiritual lenses and just look at the reality of what's going on around the world. The Spirit of God is filling men and women and students and children like all over this world. And so whether they know it or not, whether they're relying on him or not, uh, those that are relying on him are doing amazing things throughout this world uh, because it's, there's no explanation. It's supernatural. It's the Holy Spirit of God working in them to remind them of what Jesus taught and to begin to live like Jesus lived. That is astonishing. And so again, I don't know that we fully get that or if we're fully embracing. What does it mean to, to live by or to walk by the Holy Spirit? Okay, so uh, because that's how we're going to grow. That's how we're going to become more like Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit moving in our lives. So you go, well, what does the Holy Spirit do for us then? How does he help us grow? Let me just look at two categories then. In fact, these even come from the life of Jesus, that, that there are times where Jesus said um, that he also relied on the power of the Holy Spirit, that the ministry you saw Jesus do was, was, was empowered by the Holy Spirit. So I see two things that the Holy Spirit did for Jesus, number one, and he does for us too. Number one is the Holy Spirit leads us, okay? Like in Luke 4, 1, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. And so there's the leading aspect there. And so the Holy Spirit does the same thing for us. He leads us. You go, okay, how does he lead us? I would say there's three ways. The Holy Spirit leads us through the Bible. If you want to grow, and if you want to see what does it mean to become like Christ, you have got to get into this book, all right? So the Holy Spirit's there, and he can do great things, but there's disciplines and practices that we can do that really just, just unleash the Holy Spirit to do his work. And one is, is to get into the Bible, okay? This book that we hold, the Bible, was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So on the human, when the human authors were writing the Bible, the Holy Spirit was guiding them in what to say. And now here we are on this end. When we start reading the Bible, the Holy Spirit's role is to help us understand the Bible. Like if, you know, to me, one of the truest signs that somebody is really spiritually alive is that there's a hunger for this book because there's a dynamic in place where the Holy Spirit is helping you understand this book. And I'll be honest, like there's parts of the Bible that are kind of hard to understand. Like some of the genealogies, it feels like you're reading a phone book or something. You know, like there's parts where it's like, how do I get my head around this? But the Holy Spirit's role is to really help us understand Scripture. And that's one way God is going to lead us to become more like Christ. And so um, I remember a college student I was working with many years ago uh, that said, you know what, I think God's really leading me to, to really get married to this gal and all that. And, uh, but she's not a Christian, but I just know God's leading me there. It's like, hey, wait a minute. Like, so why would God lead you there if the Bible says this and kind of showed him a verse how God, God says, you know, he wants us not to be yoked together with unbelievers. And, and so that's an inconsistency. You can't say God is leading me to do something when there's a complete contradiction in the Bible. Like he, the way God leads us to what's true is through, is through the Bible. And so, like I said earlier, one of the Holy Spirit's roles is to remind you of what Jesus taught so that you'll know what's true and you'll know what to run after, okay? So he leads us with the Bible. Um, he leads us as we pray, okay? So here's a really cool verse. Um, Romans eight twenty six talks about that if you are in those moments where you are praying to God and you just, you don't know what to say, like maybe you are so just overwhelmed or you're grieving or you're hurting, Romans eight twenty six talks about how the Holy Spirit basically can translate like what's going on in our hearts to God the Father. That when you pray, one of the Holy Spirit's roles is to help you communicate 
with God. That as you pray, the Holy Spirit is involved in that, in that process, in that dynamic of prayer. And so there's times in my life where I know I've been led to things as I've studied the Bible and then as I've set aside time to pray and to listen to God. That's the Holy Spirit speaking again and leading us as we pray. And so let me make sure those two will go hand in hand. Like as you pray, God's not going to tell you new things that aren't in here. Like God's going to point you uh, to truth that's in the Bible. So you, you study the Bible, you pray. And the other thing I see the Holy Spirit leading us to is that he leads us to this right here. He leads us to community with other believers. If you look in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about there's one spirit and that that spirit has given each one of us a gift that's for the common good. Like, so spiritual maturity isn't just me holding up with my Bible, learning as much as I can, and it stops there. Like, if I am truly being led by the spirit, he's going to lead me as I'm studying the Bible on my own, as I'm praying on my own, he's going to lead me to others because I'm going to have some gifts that are going to help other people grow. And those people are going to have some gifts that I don't have, that I'm going to need them to grow. And so it's an inconsistency to say, I am really growing close to God, but I'm just kind of doing it alone. Like that's not how the spirit of God works. He's going to bring us together. And so let me just elevate maybe off of what you talked about last week, that one of the growths, the one in our plan of how do we grow as Christians is that we gather to worship. And so again, if we could put on those goggles where we could see what's really going on in this room when we gather here this morning, Guys, it's more powerful than we realize. Like, I think sometimes we come here and go, is there a potluck? Yeah, did we plug in our food? Yeah, did, where's our kids? Okay, where am I serving today? It's just like, sometimes church can become those details. If we were to just pause and say, guys, this is pretty amazing what's going on in this room right now because there's a group of people here that have been indwelt by the Spirit of God. And then throughout last week, as you've prayed to God and as you've read the Bible, And as you've gone through your day, like God has been working through you. Like even just watching one of you last week with those lenses on from the spiritual realm go, that is amazing. Like that's outstanding. But now imagine like even if like two or three of those people started gathering, let alone like 20, 30, 40, 50, like all in one room, all for the same purpose of of focusing on Jesus and becoming like Jesus, Guys, the power in this room from that angle, from the spiritual realm, is, is absolutely astonishing. Like, that's why we gather. That's why we meet in community with each other, is that the Spirit is bringing us together. That's why, like, two Easter's ago at Central Campus, I mean, we'd done four, I think, services that year. After the last one, uh, this guy just comes up to me and says, uh, something happened to me in there. And I'm thinking, okay, what? Did somebody say something bad to you? Did somebody steal your phone? Like, what, what happened in there? And he goes, no, I don't know. I just feel like I met God or something. Do you have one of these in my hometown? It's like, one of these? You mean like a church? It's like, yeah. And so um, as it turned out, the guy had spent all night doing opioids in a motel in Iowa City because the day before, his teenage son had tried to take his life. And so he rushed him down to Iowa City to get care. And so all night long in the motel, he just didn't know what to do. That morning, it was Easter. He just Googled or something, a church, and he showed up at Parkview. And just over the last year and a half, the work that that guy, that God has done in that man's life has been phenomenal. His son has recovered. His son is is back at school and is not struggling with what he had. And this guy is just completely blown away. Like it all happened when I just went in that room. It's like, no, it's not the room. It's not the bricks and mortar. It's that you just came around people 
who are filled by the Spirit of God, who are there to worship the Son of God. And that's what caught your attention. And then that pointed him to the gospel. So you guys gathering together is, is, it's not an option. It's not like, okay, I'll go to church and that's it. It's like, no, you're going to hear a constant push here that, that besides gathering to worship, we really need to gather in community to build in each other's lives, to help each other become more and more like Jesus. And that's something the Holy Spirit's going to keep pulling you to do uh, because he loves you. And that's how you're going to grow to be more like Christ. Okay? So the Holy Spirit leads us. And let me just wrap up with this. The Holy Spirit is going to empower us too. He's there to give us power. So there's a verse in Romans 8, 11 that says, the same spirit who rose Christ from the dead now lives inside of you. Guys, that, I can't imagine the power it would take to raise somebody from the dead, but that same spirit who did that lives inside of you. So there is a power available to you that, that what you have and what you can bring is not even close. That's why we talk about you have to receive the gospel to have the power over sin. And so the Holy Spirit gives us um, power. And so one place you see that is in Galatians 5, and 23, where it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So as you follow Jesus as you are led by the Holy Spirit, as you're in his word, this is where the Holy Spirit begins to show up in our lives. He changes our character. If you look at each of those qualities, like those are great descriptors of Jesus. And those are great descriptors of the man that I want to be. Man, I would be a way better dad. I'd be a way better husband if I had those fruits in my life. And that's, that's one evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit is that as you follow Jesus, he produces these fruits in our lives. And can I just make one point here? Sometimes when you look at a list in the Bible, you go, well, I'm doing pretty good today in peace, but man, I stink at self-control, right? Can you, can you notice that it's singular, the fruit of the Spirit? Like I think an evidence that maybe it's us is that one or two of these things is doing pretty good and the rest are a mess, right? So evidence that the Holy Spirit is work is at work is that you see all of those growing, all of those expanding, the singular fruit of the Holy Spirit is the evidence of the Holy Spirit working is all these things are just growing in your life. And there's, there's a parable where Jesus tells in the Bible about a farmer who plants a seed and then he goes to bed. And he's not paying attention. He comes back and there's great growth in the field. I think that, that's a lot of times the description of our walk with the Holy Spirit, that as we're doing the disciplines, as we're in God's word, as we're in community, as we're praying, as we're saying, God, help me be more and more like Jesus. He begins to grow us in ways that we're often not even aware of. It's because it hasn't been us trying harder. It's just been us following Jesus and the Holy Spirit does the work. Okay, so we'll bear fruit. Second thing the Holy Spirit um, empowers us with is that he gives us a boldness. He gives us a courage. I honestly just think of how many times we just hesitate to trust God because we're afraid or we hesitate to speak about our faith because we're afraid. And so one thing the Holy Spirit does is he gives us boldness, he gives us courage. Second Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-control. In fact, if you look for a common word throughout the, gospel, the, the book of Acts, where these new believers in Jesus, new followers of Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, they were given boldness and courage to speak out and to expend 
the gospel. And so that's something we're going to need here as a church as we're starting new in North Liberty. It's like, God, could you just give us courage to trust you, that you want to use us to really bless this city. And so give us courage with your spirit. So, so the, the Holy Spirit will give you courage. And the last one I just want to land the plane with is the Holy Spirit gives us love. All right? I like it. Romans 5.5 5 says that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to just pour God's love into your heart. Like there, there are so many times where following Jesus is not going to be easy. There's going to be hardship. People are not going to understand you. Um, there's going to be battles in your own. Like, I want to do this, but now God's telling me to do this. Like just so many reasons why we could feel insecure or inadequate in following Jesus. And I just think it's awesome that one thing God really wants the Holy Spirit to do is just pour God's love into our hearts, not drip it, not sprinkle it, but just pour it in our lives. And how that just sets us free, gives us the security and confidence that we need to just keep following Jesus. So, so the bottom line question this morning is like, do you want to grow? Like, do you want to become more and more like Jesus? Then we, we follow Jesus, like we just look at him, we learn from him, we want to be like him. We believe in the gospel, because that's where we get the power to kill sin. And then we walk by the Holy Spirit. We, we get ourselves in those positions where he, the Holy Spirit leads us and empowers us. And then look out. Like we, just, we start growing and we're becoming more and more like Christ. And again, it's not a bunch of us individually cranking that out. But it's all of us doing that together as a new location, as a north campus. Like growing in Christ-likeness together through the power of the Holy Spirit. And watch out for God wants to do uh, through us in, in our midst.